Welcome to the VoiceOver Family Podcast. Thanks, boys. Hey, I'm Amanda Sellers. And I'm Mike Shurko. We're full-time voice actors with over two decades worth of experience sharing how we went from working our day jobs to building a successful and creative career in the voiceover industry. All while working from home and raising our two boys, Beck and Trace. Let's go have some fun. Oh, yeah. On today's podcast... Ladies and gentlemen, I have a very, very special guest with us today. Um, A gentleman with over 20 years of pro audio experience. Uh, I got a chance to meet him uh, via North in Toronto a few weeks back. The man, the legend himself, and a heck of a karaoke, karaoke singer, uh, George Whittem. How's it going, George? Oh, it's going great today. How are you? Good. You remember I got to see that, some of that karaoke, right? <laughs> yes. Although I hardly remember doing it because, man, in the moment, you're, I was, my adrenaline was pumping. It was like jumping, <laughs> off a, jumping out of an airplane. Well, that's exciting. And I, unfortunately, <laughs> I didn't get to see it in person, but thankfully, so many people shared uh, video clips of it on their social media. So it was, <laughs> it was like I was right there and it was incredible. Um, yeah. So um, it's great to be talking to you. Um, got a chance to meet you in v- at VO North. Um, everyone was trying to get your attention. So I'm really grateful that you're taking the time today to, to have a chat with me. And so I just wanted to talk a little bit about what you know. And so what would you what would you call yourself like what what would your title be that i that i can say like are you an audio engineer or what would you call yourself i am an audio engineer by by training where i actually studied recording engineering and music production but um now i consider myself more of like a consultant or an audio consultant because i'm really not engineering from in the strictest sense of the word Okay. Now I'm actually, um, I'm actually, you know, teaching others and facilitating others to be able to engineer themselves. So that's why I call myself a consultant or sometimes just a technician. I like that. Um, so I, I've read that you've been doing this for over 20 years. I'm just curious how you even got into it in, in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I came into it as many, you know, I'm sure many stories go. It wasn't a direct direct route to voiceover. Um, I I was in studying music and recording at Virginia Tech and knew I wanted to be in recording, in the recording industry, thinking it would be music for sure. Right. Um, and I had the mindset that I was going to eventually own a studio and I was living in Philadelphia, which where I landed after college. I grew up near, nearby. And I thought I was definitely going to have a studio. And uh, along the way, I tried different disciplines in the audio industry. I interned at one of the top studios in Philadelphia at the time. Wow. So I had a taste of studio engineering, like at the top highest level where they recorded the Jackson 5 and they did, the, the, they did all kinds of top albums there. Wow. So I had a taste of that. And then I, I realized I hated that environment of being hmm. cooped up in a studio, being paid nothing. And it was just not the environment I wanted to be in. So hmm. I started a mobile recording studio based Very in cool. an RV, like a camper. Oh, cool. And, uh, and the camper RV was, happened to be called the Eldorado. <laughs> and so my first company I called Eldorado Recording Services. It just had a ring to it. And I just nice. loved the name. Yeah, and I did recording all around this around the Philadelphia area with the truck, and did whatever kind of recording jobs I could find, and it was a lot of fun. And I learned a heck of a lot about working on the field, in the field, and on the fly, solving problems. Yeah. No kidding, but, you'd have to do a lot of problem solving immediately. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, because I was doing a lot of live recording. So you're doing live events, live bands. Um, heck, I did a klezmer band, which is like a traditional Jewish uh, band performing wow. at a Jewish wedding live. That was really intense because when you the wedding one starts, shot at it. wow. Yeah, when the wedding starts, when they come in, you, it's go time. <laughs> so, uh, so all that kind of chaos and and doing all that live and remote stuff ended up being great background because then I, by happenstance, got to do live radio engineering. Ah. And spent a few years engineering for the Eagles radio network in Philadelphia, covering all the Eagles games. Cool. Um, so we were on the road and going to every game. And that was wild wow. and intense. And, and it's live broadcast and it's being heard by hundreds of thousands of people, maybe even millions. Wow. And um, that was quite, quite another lesson in make it work, has to work, you know, uh, and then I also got to learn ISDN at that time too. Ah. So long story short, because it could <laughs> go on for a long time, <laughs> right. all these different random things I got to do all ended up giving me this basis that prepared me for this voiceover thing, which is take any random location with any random person who's not an engineer and make it so that they sound good in that place. And then on top of that, teach them how to do it themselves when they're, when you're not there. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, that the, this unique skill set I developed by accident. Um, and so, I've just for 10 years now, I've been doing nothing but that. So, so VO is, is kind of where you focus your energy now for, for helping voice actors kind of build their studios and perfect their sound. It, I mean, it's where I've focused my business and energy for over 10 years it can it kind of meanders occasionally like just this morning i had to do a quote on a pretty high-end podcasting studio for like a system integrating company that do like big home theaters and stuff like that wow and so that is a podcast is tangentially related to what i do hmm. um so i i will occasionally quote or help with a podcast studio um and i do my own so that helps so i understand well what's needed we could talk about you and Dan in a little bit if you want. Yeah. Yeah. We certainly could talk about that too. <laughs> um, but yeah, by and large, for sure, voiceover and working with voice actors from complete, you know, starting from scratch to the top in the business is what I've been doing. And it's, it's, a, it's a really cool field to work in. I love working with people directly and individually like I get to. Can, can you tell me uh, a couple unique stories of like, they don't have to be long, but just like, kind of like the ends of the spectrum of, of what you would do. Like, um, I know, I know yeah. you work on studio design, right? Yeah. Ends of the spectrum. Ends of the spectrum certainly would co coming at it from a couple angles. Let's just be, just cause it's fun to talk about names. Let's drop a name or two. So <laughs> let's do it <laughs> on the, on the highest end of production level and the highest level of voice acting that probably has ever really lived, I got to work with this guy named Don LaFontaine. Oh, yeah. I've, I think I've heard of him before. <laughs> yeah, this guy was known some, in some circles as the voice of God because he um, did, you know, the top studios. He, he was booked by the top studios for doing movie trailers and television promo for movies. Right. And reportedly had done over 7,000 trailers. Wow. Um, I got to work with him one-on-one -on -one in his home studio, just basically acting as his technic tech guy 
wow. on demand. I wasn't there on staff or anything, but whenever he needed anything, I was there and I'd come over and help him out or I'd help him on the phone, that kind of thing. Wow. And so I got to do that, um, which was obviously a huge feather in my cap. It was pretty mm -hmm. early on in this whole timeline because it was he passed away in 2010, I think now. I can't believe nine. it's been that long already. Yeah, so I uh so this happened maybe on second or third year maybe of me ever working with voiceover. It was very early. Wow. Um but that said, on the other end of the spectrum in terms of like production studios and complexity and everything, I got to work with Allison Janney, hmm. who is um a screen actor, television actor. She's on several shows right now. She's the voice of Kaiser Permanente uh in you know in the US. I mean this lady cool. is she can't do anything wrong. <laughs> I got to go to her house and just basically put a USB mic in her study so mm -hmm. she could do our auditions. Wow. And I you know, I was in and out of there in an hour. Set up mm -hmm. the mic, plugged it into her Mac, installed Twisted Wave, showed her how to use it, just the very basics, set up some processing, a, a preset that she could apply to the audio so it would sound nice. In and out in an hour. Wow. And so it, it does range the gamut. And basically what I did for her is what I've done for many voice actors who are just getting started. You know, in her case, she's not getting started. She's a seasoned actor. Right. But she didn't have a studio before. She never had to have one. She never knew how to operate one. So it doesn't matter whether you're a celebrity actor or you're a teacher who's getting in the voiceover, it's the same thing. You're, you're having to do something that's not familiar to you in your home, on your own, do it easily and quickly because you have to turn these things around fast right? and then send these files. And um, so, yeah, it's fun to drop a name like Allison Janney, of course, but <laughs> the vast majority of the time, I'm working with people who are at very wide levels of skill and um and budgets for that matter you know you, right. i mean for allison i certainly i could have quoted her something very expensive and elaborate i didn't need to because i knew she didn't need that mm -hmm. and the same holds true to most voice actors getting started in this business the basics that they need are quite affordable and attainable it, it definitely seems like there's like um with the voiceover school that we have running um, we've had a lot of actors come through already and it just, that's one of their biggest hurdles. They have the performance tools, um, but they don't know how to set up the studio or, or how to edit. And uh, so to, to speak on that a little bit, you make it sound fairly simple, but of course, a man with your experience, it would be simple for you. But could you say, could you speak about a few things like some basic minimum needs to create like a competitive space in someone's home like that? Like, do you need to invest thousands and thousands of dollars or you kind of touched on that a little bit? Yeah. It's like the old advertising trope. It's easy when you know how. Yeah. Um, exactly. It's like, well, yeah. <laughs> or it's always in the last place you looked. Uh, right. That kind of stupid. Of course. Saying. <laughs> um, so yeah, in regards to um, what you need to get started. So the most expensive thing in a home studio or in any studio is quiet, ah. quiet recording space. And when I say expensive, if you don't have it, 
it's expensive. <laughs> mm -hmm. So if you're in a really noisy city, an urban environment, um, in an old building with crappy windows, and there's a train right outside your window, I think of the apartment in the movie Blues Brothers where the, el the elevated train was right out his window every three <laughs> seconds, you know. Yeah. You're just not, it would cost you an astronomical sum to make a space recordable in that environment. Right. Now, if you're in the opposite situation, like a country home, you know, in a more isolated remote space, you've got a huge advantage because you now have quiet, a quiet space to begin with. And that is the hardest thing to find in most any kind of suburban or urban environment is quiet. Right. So if you can find somewhere quiet enough to record at least part of the day, you know, maybe the kids are going to storm in the door at three. <laughs> but from nine to three, you have quiet, sweet, glorious quiet. And you have that time in which you can focus, record auditions or even jobs from your, your home. Right. So, you know, the family in the home is one issue. And then the other issue is external sounds. So mm -hmm. if you can find somewhere in your home that gives you reasonable isolation from the outside world, then that's where you want to go. And for many people, that's going to be a closet. Right. Maybe not the most pleasant environment to have to be or in glamorous. for long periods of time or glamorous <laughs> for that matter. But uh, I've been in some pretty glamorous closets over the years. <laughs> some um, big walk-ins, right? Yeah. yeah. I guess. If you're fortunate enough to have a, a, a nice-sized walk-in, that is ideal because you've got enough space to stand in there and you've got clothing on usually at least three sides of you. Right. Those are fantastic because the clothes suck up a lot of sound. Yeah. It doesn't have windows. You can go in and close the door and you have another layer of separation between you and the outside. Right. And so for that reason, those spaces are uh, ideal. Many people don't have it. So a sliding closet door situation, much more. Kalman, I've, I've actually dealt with numerous of those in the last few weeks. Really? Uh, yeah. That's um, cool though. Yeah. Um, they are similar, but just more cramped. They still require isolation or not so much isolation, but acoustic treatment, but right. um, they can be made usable um, with the right materials in the right places. So the soundproofing exactly, is expensive. Yeah. And so you basically don't even think about soundproofing so much. Think about it just making it sound like a studio. And that's really what we're most concerned with. And then the rest of it is basic parts, which I can get into more if you want to. Um, you know, we can, we can touch on it. You know, um, in our school, we, we discuss, you know, the mic and the computer and the basic software program. But, um, you know, we, we talk about kind of the entrance level fee of, of a microphone that is competitive enough. But maybe you could you could discuss that you know briefly if there's a couple pieces of gear that you think are good bang for your buck uh, starting out and then maybe like a next level um, upgrade or something like that. Actually, maybe just speak speak on the on the first level because then I I have one more yeah. question for you after that. Sure. Yeah. So I mean, as you're probably aware, and I the chances of me recommending the exact same thing that you guys are recommending are probably small. But I mean, there are. There are systems out there that I've just found to be tried and true, reliable, with good sound quality, and very reasonable price. Mm -hmm. And um, 
one, you know, a few things that I've recommended pretty regularly over the years without changing a whole lot. The last few years is, um, an audio technica mic, like an AT2035 is really my favorite. It's a little bit more than a 2020, but I feel it, it has some major advantages that make it worth that cost. And then, um, the interface, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a consistent fan now of the Steinberg products and their basic UR12. That's their smallest basic unit is, um, again, never let anybody down that I know of. I've never heard of one fail. Sound quality is good. Um, they're very simple to operate. They do what you need to do. Plug the mic in, plug in your headphones, plug it into the computer and record. Yeah. Um, I, I love that about it. And then um, the rest of the accessories, you know, like a decent pair of headphones. So when you go to edit, you've got something accurate to listen to. Um, I'm going to head back over to my Audio-Technica guys and recommend the Audio-Technica headphones like the ATH-M30 or M40. Um, yeah. Really great sounding headphones for under $100. That's what I'm wearing um, right now, actually. I think the 40. Oh, yeah, the 40s are fantastic. I, yeah. I love those. Um, and then from there we're talking, now we've got the signal into the computer. Um, now we need software and clearly the most popular software by and large on windows and Mac is going to be audacity, obviously because it's free right? and, um, it's quite functional. I mean, it's, it's adding, they add more features all the time. Um, it's it's and it's not that hard to learn and there's certainly a ton of resources to learn it yeah it's only real downside to me is that it because it's open source or free software when you want to get tech support over a specific issue you have to just sort of rely on um you know chat rooms and groups mm. to ask around and hopefully find the right answer there is no line for tech support or phone support okay so that's it's that's really its major downside. You know, you're, you're kind of at the mercy of the users themselves figuring it um, out and figuring it out. Yeah. And so that's, it's, that's really, it's only real major Achilles heel. Other than that, that software does absolutely everything a voice actor would need. Um, if you're on a Mac, then, you know, I mentioned it earlier. I, pro I think I mentioned it earlier. Twisted wave is uh, my weapon of choice. It's the one I recommend wholeheartedly for its simplicity, reliability, and its support. Um, when you buy it, you own it for life, and you'll always have support from the developer. And um, I just love that about Twisted Wave. Um, so that's, on the a, that's a good end, upgrade step yeah, for, yeah, from, like, from Audacity to Twisted Wave. From Audacity to Twisted Wave, and if you're on Windows, um, a lot of folks are going to go to probably Adobe Audition, Okay. Um, as uh, as the step up from Audacity on the Windows platform, um, of course, there's also Pro Tools, but generally for voiceover use, while you certainly can make it easy to use with some training, it's a lot more complicated to set up and a little more cumbersome to use in the long run. Right. And it may end up costing you a lot more in the long run to use it to use it as well. So the I analogy tend not I've to heard go that direction. The analogy I've heard of that is is that it's like taking a, a spaceship to the grocery store. It's just yeah. there's a lot to it. Yeah, a spaceship or the Sherman tank or a yeah, yeah whatever any of <laughs> exactly. those tropes. 
yeah. yeah. So I tend to not to to go that direction. So okay. um, you know, and the and then the rest is just a good mic stand. Don't overlook a really good, sturdy, reliable mm. microphone stand. Not something very lightweight and inexpensive. You're probably going to spend at least fifty dollars on this mic stand. Um, it's going to be made of steel and it's going to be strong because you want the mic to be up in the right place and not move. Right. You don't want it sagging or falling over. Of course. So that's a, an important element as well. So don't overlook that. Hmm. That That's amazing information. I appreciate that, George. Um, so like in an emergency situation, like not that you're on call, but have, you usually have people call in and be like, George, I got a problem. Can you help me figure this out? Right. Mm -hmm. Is is what would you say is one of the most common or frequent issues that you find voice talent contacting you about? Like either experienced or new, is there any sort of like, oh yeah, it's that problem again, or anything that you you see just new people doing, or anything in, of that nature? I would say, and yeah, I do I do do some on call because I had some clients who had me on like a membership, like a tech support contract, so I have to do a little bit of that. Um, but for someone that's got a very simple system, let's say they just have a mic interface and computer, the most common issues by far are related to the fact that they just updated the computer or the software or they upgraded the operating system or they did something or something was done to the machine without their knowledge because of an automatic update mm. that breaks something. Ooh. That is by far the most common uh, issue that people face that, you know, it's their computers doing what they do, which is sometimes automatically updating or just us being human wanting to click on a shiny button saying, get the new thing <laughs> in the, in case of windows. Well, now windows and Mac it didn't used to be this way, but now Mac, Mac and windows are the same, have the same, um, it's the same deal where the, the updates are coming all the time and they're free. Right. Um, in terms of the way Mac works, like they have a new a new model every year, it's always free, and they start shoving it down your throat. <laughs> like, get the new thing, get the new thing, the new thing you need to get. Right. And if you accidentally click on that update link, or the upgrade, really, it's an upgrade they call it because it's the new version of the software. Right. It can break a lot of stuff. It can basically disable your studio. Wow. So this is, you know, this podcast may be temporal. It may be evergreen. It may, maybe people listen to this in five years from now. But the bottom line is whenever that new thing comes out that day or even that month, do your best to prevent installing that thing hmm. because it can take your studio down. It can make your software unreliable or make your audio hardware completely not function. Oh, wow. Um, so be just real careful. Like right now we're dealing with Catalina. That's the new Mac OS. Right. Installing that could immediately make your software unstable or not work at all. Hmm. So we got to be, that's the biggest stuff is just constantly wor uh, warning folks of avoiding the update. If what you have now is working and you can count on it every day to do what its job is, avoid updating anything if you can. Hmm. That's, you know, security updates are one thing. If there's something security related, you should definitely do that. But everything else, try if you can to just keep it the same. Think of it like an appliance that just works every day and right. doesn't need constant maintenance. That's the way I like to think of my computer. What, what I find 
less so less so on the computer more more on my phone is like things will start getting buggy and it's because it needs the new update or something like that have have you seen that situation with with the softwares or anything like that well yeah not so much really i mean i have clients that have maybe pro tool 7 on like a 12 year old mac <laughs> that they still fire up every day and it still runs wow um because they didn't continuously update it. Um, it was in a stable state. They didn't continuously add new features and new software. And a computer that is left in a stable state and isn't constantly updated tends to be a lot more reliable. Hmm. Um, things become unreliable over time, really because we're constantly adding new, new features and new updates. And... Um, while one update may be absolutely necessary for security or maybe an update is necessary because there were software bugs, you know, like they literally right. have software issues, which is definitely a common problem. Hmm. Um, constantly updating a machine and keeping it up to date is really only good for one company and that's Apple right. um, and increasingly Windows um, or Microsoft because if you're always up to date on your Mac, you're going to run into a point where your Mac cannot be updated, and then you're going to be you're, you're going to be encouraged to buy a new Mac. Right. So, um, if you have an older machine and it's stable um, and it's running great, there's no reason to try to have it running the latest OS. Hmm. Um, it's not going to run better on an old computer. The computer is going to run best running the OS that came out when the computer came out. Interesting. They were designed together. So, um, yeah, and on, on phones, it's really a problem because when there is a phone update, it's extremely hard to ignore it. Right. It, it doesn't even give you the, the opportunity. It says, sure, you can delay it for one day and we'll ask you again tomorrow. We'll get you eventually. <laughs> yeah, the big really flashing red button, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I think you got to switch phone companies then, I guess, hey, <laughs> to get away from that Apple model. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I have a, a Google Fi, which is the you know absolute right. opposite of Apple, and I did it. I updated the I updated the operating system on the phone. Yeah, and it sucks now. Oh, <laughs> it's so frustrating. <laughs> Shoot, I did it like three months ago, two months ago, oh. and um, I was like, well, everybody says this is the one to get, and the phone has never been as good as it was before I installed the up upgrade. Mm. And so, you know, what? I try to practice what I preach. And when I don't, it gets me in trouble too. So yeah. um, that's the moral of the story. If it's working today, installing something new or updating or upgrading is not going to make it better than it is today. That's it really good advice. New, it just adds a new feature, something you may or may not need, but usually nothing you need. Right. And then as a result, it doesn't work better than when you started. Hmm. That's, that's a really good piece of advice, something that I would not even consider because I always felt that when you, when you stay up to date, then it works the best. So I've never looked at it from that approach and that's, that's a really awesome piece of advice to share. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, again, I'll, I'll reiterate, the exception to the rule is for security updates. Mm -hmm. So when there's the ability to install a security update, like on the Mac, you can do this. They'll say there's a security update. Those for sure, I'll always say install. Right. But um, but other updates that are just for functionality or new software versions that can do new things, 
those are not necessarily going to give you better performance in the long run. Um, if your system is really unstable for some reason, like there's a software corruption, that's when reinstalling the operating system may now make it run better. Okay. So there are reasons to do it. Right. If it ain't broke, kids, don't fix it. <laughs> but okay, say for example, um, like one of the programs like Twisted Wave or Audacity or, or Pro Tools comes out with a new version, would that be appropriate to upgrade? Well, I always ask myself, why? Why upgrade? Right. What, is the, what are you looking for? I always, when somebody says, I want to upgrade to Catalina or I want to do this. Sometimes people say, I want to upgrade because so it'll stop asking me to. That's the wrong reason. <laughs> um, and there are ways to fix those problems. But um, if you're going to upgrade to a new version, just ask yourself for what reason. You know, ask yourself, are you doing it because there's a new feature that's going to revolutionize your voiceover production life? Mm-hmm. So you really should do it. Um, and if that's the case, ask the community and ask other experts like myself before you do it to be sure you're making the right decision. Yeah. If the only reason to put the new thing on is because it's the new thing, then you're, that's not the right reason. Um, if you gotta, if you gotta have it, then you go, gotta buy, you gotta buy another computer and keep another computer that's <laughs> always up to date. Yeah, there you go. Um, if you have the one computer that's your whole life in a box and it's your production computer, you can't mess around too much with your production computer. It has to stay stable and reliable. Whereas your day-to-day office computer for gaming and you know just casual use, that one, you can definitely keep it more up-to-date because right. you're not worried about it breaking compatibility with some underlying thing that you didn't even realize you needed, like right. a certain printer driver or a certain software or <laughs> hardware driver, you know, thing. Right. So that's, that's when it's, you know, a different situation. Cool. Well, that's, that's a really good piece of advice that I, I think I'm going to begin following immediately. Um, good luck. It's not easy, <laughs> but it's, it's, if you can avoid the updates, the shiny objects, it often is, it works out for you. I'll just put a sticky note in that corner. So whenever it pops down, don't upgrade, just, don't upgrade. It's just covered. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask about, okay, so for example, say, say someone has a, a decent setup, they have, you know, the sound environment treated well enough, they have a decent mic interface program, computer and stuff. Is there one purchase or what would the best purchase be if you had one item to kind of upgrade? Would it be a, a new microphone that you think would ultimately improve your overall sound and tone capacity or... Or is it again? Would would it be additional sound treatment? Like like let's for for the sake of conversation, let's let's assume that it's a decently treated space. What would one yeah. one piece of upgraded equipment be that would have the biggest impact on the quality of your sound? Well, it might be a tough question. It's <laughs> tough because you know these days even the most basic setups can achieve phenomenal sounding results. Like the exact gear I mentioned to you. If you're if you're a good voice actor, it's gonna do. You're gonna get some completely professional sounding results out of that gear. No one's ever gonna listen to your file and go, "Man, your preamp sounds kind of cheap." No, no <laughs> way. No one, no one, no one on earth is gonna say that. So, the thing that's the thing that people do spend considerable money on upgrading is gonna be either just getting a much more expensive microphone because they can, and maybe they're entering another 
another division of voiceover where a certain mic is uh, considered de rigueur or the the one to get. Right. And that might be like a Sennheiser 416, for example. Right. Um, so you're doing, you're starting to get promo work in your market. Well, that's a very, very popular mic for doing promo. So you might consider that kind of a mic as an upgrade. Um, another upgrade cost some people might invest in is using a new, uh, more uh, sophisticated interface. And I'm thinking specifically of like the, there's a company called Universal Audio and they make something called the Apollo. Right. And that thing allows you a lot more flexibility. It allows you to um, process the audio as though it were plugged, as though your mic is plugged into a big rack of equipment hmm. and it's all done magically inside the box. Until you need that, it's one of those things you don't know you need it until the time comes where you find the advantage of doing so. You know, you start to find the advantage of doing so exists. And that's when you're doing like live directed voiceover work that's being live streamed to the studio. Yeah. So like Source Connect or like ISDN. Source, exactly. You're using something like Source Connect, ISDN, IPDTL. Right. And the studio on the other end is actually recording you. So you're just basically in a virtual, you're like, you're on the other end of a virtual mic cable. Mm -hmm. And you're just speaking and reading and script and they're recording you and they're directing you. That's when an upgrade to some of those systems makes sense, as well as also buying something like Source Connect. Right. That's another expense. Um, and then what often comes with the territory of having all that is what I like to call quiet on demand. Ah. Quiet on demand is expensive, as I said earlier. So that tends to be another big upgrade for voice actors climbing the echelon is they realize that their, their closet isn't quite quiet enough or they just can't stand being in there or they get too hot. Mm -hmm. um, they want to have a booth that's ventilated. It's quieter. It's isolated. So that's where people really spend. That's where they make a big jump is they'll, they'll buy isolation on some level. They'll either build something custom if they own their house or they'll, they'll buy an isolation booth from companies like uh, studio bricks, whisper room, um, vocalbooth.com, Gretsch Ken, and there's a ton more on the scene now. That's when they'll make that investment. Right. You know, so they don't need to do that right away. So as long as you yeah. have the basic setup, the, the main investment to improve your sound would just be coaching, right? <laughs> For just be, sure. Just be coaching. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yes. I, I like clients that. who hire me for sound consulting or setting up processing. <laughs> and they're like, I'm not booking, so it must be my sound quality. I'll hear their read. And I'm, I'm, not, gonna, I'm not a coach, <laughs> but I hear voiceover every day. So I know when yeah. it sounds, sounds convincing. Agreed. When I hear them and I hear that they don't sound convincing and they sound like they've got a long road ahead in terms of coaching, I will usually gently try to recommend that they pursue more coaching. Mm. You know, I'll say, listen, your quality is there. It's all there. It's, it's now, it's now the, your instrument and your skill. That's where you need to work. You know, that's gotta be so, a hard conversation to have it because you you want to be, you want to be gentle, right? Is. But you don't want to like squash their goals. And no, you've also just spent money to consult with this tech guy who's telling right. them that you just wasted your money <laughs> consulting a tech guy, right? Um, you know, and because it's not your tech, 
Um, they're usually relieved to know that their tech is in good shape and that everything is technically in good shape. Right. Um, that that take they they can take that question mark out of their head. Um, and then they realize, okay, I have a lot more work to do. I didn't even realize. Because um, so yeah, one of your services is like I can I can just take a recording from my own studio and send it to you. Do you do yeah. that? Yeah. A sound check. I just call it a sound check. Yeah. Um, a sound check is twenty five dollars US, and it it's a it's the least expensive service I offer in terms of send me your audio and I'll evaluate it for its quality. And cool. I'll, I'll check its levels, I'll check the noise floor, I'll tell you how about what I think about your mic placement, your mic technique, mm-hmm. and, and then also what I think your room sounds like, you know, acoustically. Um, and for a lot of people, it's, it's super valuable because now they've had an objective ear tell them where they are. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're shocked that actually they're just fine. Right. Um, they may have bought a very basic setup and they're just in a walk-in closet and then they're like, Oh really? It sounds good. Oh, that's good <laughs> to know. I never would have thought, you know, um, and other times it's people that did spend 10,000 plus on booths and mic and everything. And then they've got issues. Mm. So it's not definitely doesn't correlate with what people spend. Sometimes it, right. it can uh, be, it can be just the opposite. So yeah, sound check is, is a is a definitely a no-brainer if you've never had anybody professionally evaluate your audio yeah um do you do you also consult on uh like processing or production like for example uh you see the the wave from the sound check and you could be like you know what you need you need to boost the low end a little bit or you need to pull down this frequency because it's it's a little hot right. in post or something is it is is that part of the check or is that an, an additional service you offer well, yeah, if I'm hearing the audio and going, there's some rumble in there, you need a low-cut filter or it's a little bit sibilant, um, I'll make a note of that. But yeah, there's, I call it an audio processing preset, and that can, that can be a stack for Twisted Wave, a rack for Audition, a chain or a macro for Audacity. Um, all these different programs have their own terminology. But mm. um, yeah, those can be built custom for you based on the sound of your voice, your mic, your studio, and even the genre. Sometimes the processing might be a little different for, say, a commercial narration versus like a video game. Right. So sometimes more than one is necessary. But most people are doing commercial auditions or narrations, and then one setting for that particular kind of read is pretty much gets them set. Cool. I I, I might pick your brain a little bit more about that and and, and hire you for that because I'm I'm – interested because everyone has you know their own perspectives of what sounds good i i started right. by producing music too and when i first started producing my wife's voiceover i thought you know i was still in a metal band so it had to be oh, wow. crushed and compressed yeah. you know to a certain degree and it was listening back to the original audio it was like holy crap like yeah. now i know that it's it should be as natural you know and and unaffected as possible you know it, right because i find that the longer especially like narration uh, it it can still work in a commercial s- setting, I find, or or promo where there's you know music pumping and quotes and stuff like that. Yeah. But in the narration, if it's overly compressed, it it's actually like hard on your ears over yeah, time. Absolutely, I've With noticed fatiguing. that. Yeah, fatiguing, absolutely. We call it. Yeah, yeah. So I I try to you know when I do this these processing settings, I'm doing it based on what I think makes sense or works for it. But at the end of the day if you're doing a production with an engineer and there's an, you know, there's actually a budget 
for this and they hire a studio, they're going to absolutely want it with nothing on it. Right. Um, they want to have complete control and say over how the audio is pro processed. If you get to that point where you're sending in dry files for production, pat yourself on the back because that means you've made it to a certain echelon of voiceover. Mm -hmm. The majority of what folks are going to be doing is not that. Right. Most of it, you're, you're expected to send in a file that sounds finished. Right. It's the irony of it. And it's the people yeah. that are starting the business have to send in the audio that's actually the most finished. Yeah, and the that's people that are the most highest in the, in the business can send in the most raw sounding audio and let the production finish it. It's, Weird. It's really wacky, right? It's it backwards. is. Totally that's wacky. pretty much how it works. Well, speaking of wacky, uh, do you want to talk about the, uh, the voiceover body shop? a little yeah, bit sure like i don't know how much how much time if you have to get going in a little bit yeah, but, I um, think let's give it another uh five minutes okay well then i'll touch on this quick just really quick um i wanted to know who's the real brain because i know you guys are both pretty intelligent with your with your gear talk your tech your home studio setups who's the real brain between you and dan and we don't have to tell him oh. that you said this oh yeah he'll never hear this <laughs> um, i won't tag him on social media once it's out well i we, we, we got interviewed on, on the VO Buzz Weekly show. And oh, yeah. I, I, pretty, he, he, I think he made it pretty clear when we were talking that he, he looks at me as like the total, as the real tech geek behind all this stuff. Uh, Dan does not like to look at himself as a geek. He, ah. he really, and he has acting, he has acting background. You know, he's, he's got teaching and acting as his background. Right. And he's a, he's a talent. He's a voice actor. So he has learned a lot of tech over the years, but he hasn't geeked into it. He hasn't dug into the geekiness of it to the depths that I have. So I, I guess I tend to be the one that's a little bit more, I I'm tend to be more technical, more analytical. And I tend to go down the geek rabbit hole a lot further than Dan does. So um, you complement each other really well then, right? Because you yeah, kind of get to so. both spectrums yeah. of, of both worlds. You can kind of clash them together in that, in that podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. We're the left and the right brain sort of. Yeah, totally. Of, and so that's what that's one reason we work well together. We'll complement on what we're saying. You know, we'll we'll usually agree on most and things that we're trying to get across, but I'll tend to get a little bit more technical about, you know, how to get there. Mm -hmm. And I tend to be a little bit I definitely am into the more more into the new tech. And right. because of the kind of clients I work with, I have to be because they're, they're always looking for an edge and new stuff. Right. And so it's more on me to be on top of that stuff than, than probably Dan. Those would be, I'm sure you have some interesting stories of that. That's for sure. But um, to, yeah. go, to go a little off topic, because we're wrapping up here, what, if you didn't do what you do, what would you be doing? Like if you didn't, if you didn't work in the audio engineer, it, in the audio field, what would you be doing? Or would you be a... Uh, a botanist or a hockey player? What, what do you do for fun when you're not working? <laughs> Good question. What do I do for fun? For sure, what I've spent a lot of my spare time in the last few years has been completely involved in the bicycle industry. Oh, cool. And um, I mountain bike a lot. I bike all around Los Angeles when I have an opportunity to, when I'm not trapped in a car. <laughs> um, and I volunteer at a bicycle organization called the Microwave. It's a bike co-op. Oh, cool. It's a completely volunteer-run organization. I've been there for eight and a half years Wow! Uh, as a head mechanic, basically taking care of people, help, showing them how to fix their bikes. Wow. 
So that's really cool. Yeah. So if I could find a way to make a comfortable living in the bicycle industry, <laughs> uh, that equated what I'm doing now, I probably would be happy to be doing it. Cool. Um, you know, so that's a, that's a great question. I've never been asked that. I think that's awesome. Because it, but you know, yeah. like the the industry is pretty pretty cool, pretty awesome. Like, you yeah. know, Amanda and I have talked about retirement, and it's like, well, no, I'm still going to voice until I physically can't voice anymore because it's it's right. enjoyable. It's it's a creative outlet, and and it's fun. I but, know many um, who have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, it's it's amazing. All the way to the end. But there's always there's always something else. Like I like to play hockey. I like to to bodybuild. I like to, you know, play with my kids on whatever yeah. they're doing, stuff like that. Sure. Um, but yeah, so if anyone wanted to get in touch with you about the sound check or any other informational questions, cause you are an, just an absolute library of information and I appreciate you taking the time today. How can, how can our listeners get in touch with you? Yeah. So my, my consulting and all my tech help stuff is at George the dot tech. Or if you don't like those kitschy domains, you can just go to georgethetech.com. That works too. Got them both. And just in um, case. yeah. And uh, while I have the opportunity and the ear to plug something, um, I think maybe by the time you guys hear this podcast, we will have the website up for a brand new product called TriBooth. And uh, that's T R I booth. I, I believe it's T R I booth.com. Literally, the website is being built right now. Wow, um, and it's a it's a cool product for somebody who doesn't want to be in their closet, at home, but doesn't want to DIY cobble together a bunch of, you know, disparate parts. You want to have something that's easy to assemble and something that maybe you want to take with you. Um, that's Tribooth, and it's a it's a totally newly developed patent pending product that a voice actor and I came up with named Rick Wasserman. Wow. And uh, check it out when you have a chance. It, it should be up by the time you guys hear this. And if not, just check, keep just Googling. Keep checking back. Find it. Yeah, because we're, we're imminently relaunching this thing. It could be really, really helpful for someone that wants something very easy to set up to put in their office or their bedroom or even living room and then maybe be able to take it down or take it with them. Wow, that's really cool. It, it, it's totally and fits exactly what you're doing. It's just a perfect transition for, for you to be working on that. That's amazing. Yeah. It's cool to partner on something that was an invention that was and it's necessity. It was invented because my partner, Rick didn't find the product in, in existence that hmm. fulfilled all of the needs. So that's what this, that's what this is. So go check it out. See what you very, think. Very cool. And when can we hear you? How often do you and Dan put out an episode? We do an episode every week. We tape live every other week. So nice. every other week, we're going to be live on VOBS.TV at about <laughs> 5 p.m. Pacific time. Awesome. So just keep stay tuned on there. It'll, it'll tell us. It should tell you on the site when we're next on. Um, and that, but then we, so we, do the, we do the interview, and then the next week, we release the tech segment, the tech talk. Cool. And then I'm also on another podcast called The Pro Audio Suite where it's a pure podcast, no video, where we really do get into in-depth uh, interviews and really get to geek out on tech stuff. And awesome. that's a totally different show with different people. So yeah, it's awesome. a, there's a lot going on. That's good and, and very exciting. And, and George, I'm very grateful that you took this time uh, to spend with me. And we'll definitely be in touch unless there's anything else to say. Very, very grateful you spent the time here and we will talk to you very, very soon again. 
thanks so much I, I'll, I'll take a look at your site and see what you guys are up to over there absolutely we got some cool stuff going on too <laughs> excellent talk to you later George thank you bye for now Oh, that it?